Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 28th episode of Kiwi and the Bird. I'm Kami. I'm Taylor. And in today's episode, we are giving a non-spoiler review about the rebellious and romantic Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer. Now, Defy the Night is a YA fantasy told through two perspectives. And if you're here for the giveaway, the first letter of our six-letter code is S. Like a snake. Or sexy. Or sexy. Ooh, ooh la la. In Defy the Night, sickness ravages the kingdom of Kandala, and the cure is increasingly hard to come by. Desperate to save the people, Tessa Cade steals as much moonflower as she can alongside her secret crush, Wes Lark. Being caught will result in facing the king's justice, cruel Korik, whom none have survived. But with the fever claiming more and more lives, Tess will have to decide whether or not rebellion is worth her life. One of the main characters in Defy the Night is Tessa Cade. After the death of her parents, Tessa vows to continue her father's work of distributing cures and salves to others, even if it means breaking the law. She is kind and compassionate and hopeful for the world, even if the world doesn't believe the same. Tessa was a character... This is going to sound so mean, but hear me out, okay? She's probably one of the most generic YA protagonists I've ever <laughs> read, but she serves a purpose. Like, with YA stories, like, you're not reading them to have, like, some complicated philosophical, you know, reading, like, the meaning of life type of thing. Like, YA stories are meant to be quick, entertaining things, Right? And so there is, like, sort of a formula when it comes to YA writing. But the protagonists in those stories work to serve the purpose of what the story, or why the story is being told. So I think Tessa was good in that sense. Like, she also had, like, the potential to do a lot of things that I would like to see in the sequels. Yes. Like, I, she has a good character base that I liked in the first one. I think with Tessa, I can appreciate her attributes, that she is considered kind, compassionate, that in other characters' eyes, that she is brave. I think the thing for me with Tessa is that with most of her personality, I felt like we didn't get to see it in action in the story. I feel like most of the things that made her who she is are things that happened in the past. Therefore, I'm not seeing it in the present and presently with her. Therefore, I feel like I kind of had to fill in a lot of gaps with Tessa, or kind of just believe what the other characters were saying about her, rather than forming that opinion about her myself. It was like we were told most of the things about Tessa's personality rather than being shown them. Yes. Now, before we continue on to talking about Korik, here's another letter for the giveaway. You like Uganda. (laughs) (laughs) I like how that's the first word. See, you think Uganda. My first thought was underwear. (laughs) That's like totally different directions. (laughs) A country versus pantaloons. Now, the second 
protagonist in Defy the Night is Prince Cork. And after the assassination of his parents, Cork vows to ensure the safety and reign of his brother, the king. He's cruel and unfeeling and apathetic towards the pain of the people, but when is enough enough? This is something to learn about Cork. Cork has no chill. He seems kind of like the guy who's all or nothing. Like, when he's invested in an idea, when he thinks he has to be something, he's going to be that to the T. Even if it means kind of being a merciless King's Justice. Murderer. Mur- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think the thing that makes Cork most endearing and that sets him apart in the story is the love that he has for the brother and for the fact that Cork isn't the king. He's the king's justice. I feel like that's very different in YA because usually the romantic love interest is in a place of power. And not to say that Cork isn't. Of course, he has much power, but he's not the heir. He's not the king. He's not directly ruling the land. And I think the compassion and love he had toward his brother, the fact that he just wanted to support him made him very interesting as a character because then you could kind of see the dilemma of protecting his brother and having to be this merciless cruel person for me prince Cork, i did like his character because when you have a guy like Cork who's like very cruel and just like doesn't like to show his emotions and is very like ruthless like he has to have a redeeming factor or else people aren't gonna like him as a love interest yes And so for me, like, his compassion for his brother wasn't quite enough to redeem him. So I was wondering how the author was going to redeem him as a love interest. And I loved the way she did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I liked, for the most part, the way that the author kind of, like, went with him. Yeah. Like, the way that she wrote him. Now, before we talk about the setting, here's the third clue for the giveaway. It's the letter I. As in igloo. Or isosceles triangle. I thought of ice cream. Or <laughs> iridocyclitis. <laughs> What's the word? Iridocyclitis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iridocyclitis. <laughs> Defy the Night takes place in the kingdom of Kandala, a country in the throes of an epidemic. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't have to say anything. A dangerous war between royals and rebels could take place at any moment. Will the land ever experience peace? How did you feel about the setting? I didn't feel any particular way about the setting. Like, it wasn't bad, but it, you know, it wasn't great. It was like, it served its purpose in being a setting. Yeah. It did its job. Yeah. I think the setting for me, I think it was developed in the sense that we see the landmarks that are on the map in the beginning of the book. There are things about the setting that's discussed. You know, we, People are actively talking about the setting and interacting with the setting. I think for me with the setting, the setting in my mind, and I don't know if this is just the way that I read it, but it kind of, in my mind, the setting looks like a kind of a generic medieval fantasy setting. Oh yeah, that was for me too, yeah. I wish that there had been one little factor that had made it stand out a little bit more, even if it was just like a little detail that could really define that this setting could only take place in this book. For me, I wish she had described the setting with a a tiny bit more detail. Hmm. Because in my head, I was kind of just like filling things in with what I thought it should look like. Yeah. Rather than her like telling me what it did look like. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, it was up to my own interpretation. Which I don't mind, mm-hmm. but I wish it was just like a little bit more, just so I can imagine it a, just a bit more fully. I wanted my imagination to be scoped a little bit so that I could know even so that I can fill in the little stuff myself, but that I can still have like a general parameter for mm-hmm. what this world could look like. I mean, there were some scenes where she did it well and I was like, okay, like, like I can imagine this scene, but I wish she didn't done it a bit more in some other places. Yeah, I agree with that. And real quick, before we talk about the author's writing style, here's the fourth letter clue to the giveaway. It is R, like rowboat. I thought robot. I That was going to be my second word. Or red. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you think about the author, Bridget Kemmerer's writing style? Again, this is going to sound mean. Because it kind of is, but hear me out. <laughs> there isn't anything about Bridget Kemmerer's writing style that stands out to me that doesn't like that, like separates her from YA, other YA authors. It's like, it, it's there's there's nothing particular about it. Like, she, she does, has a pretty good flow, I would say, and her pacing isn't bad, but like, I, I just wish that she had something a bit more unique. But again, okay, that sounds mean. <laughs> but I mean, she wrote it with a purpose. I mean, she she wrote it to tell a quick, entertaining story, and that is what she accomplished. I think for me, with the writing style, usually writing style isn't the most prevalent thing in my mind when I read. It's not my type, my uh, my top priority when I read. But well, I think overall. This writing style did well to tell the story. It got the story told. It got the story done. There was a beginning, a middle, and everything was concise. The foreshadowing was great. Actually, the foreshadowing. Oh, no, actually, the foreshadowing. The foreshadowing was so good. I will no. You know what? I will give her props for that. Yeah, she did really well with foreshadowing. Yeah. And I don't know if this will sound cocky, but I do pride myself in being a good little book detective. And this plot twist threw me for a loop. I did not see it coming, so I very much enjoyed that. I, yeah, no, you know, I kind of forgot about that for a second, but I will say I really did like the plot twist in this one. Like I honestly didn't see it coming. Yeah. And what I loved about the foreshadowing was that it wasn't like a plot twist that didn't make sense. Yeah. Like you could go back and be like, oh yeah, I can see how this would relate to the plot twist and all those things. And she did it in such a subtle way that you couldn't see it coming, but it also made sense, which is Really hard to do. Really hard. So really, props to the author for that. Yeah, that that deserves a slow, fast <laughs> clap. <laughs> Before we continue on to our favorite things about Defy the Night, here's a fifth letter clue for the giveaway. It's the letter D. As in dog, or Diego, or Dora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, if you like... Plot twists. Secret identities. Plague. Revolutions slash rebellions. Apothecaries. Tea. Flowers. Theft. Illegal activity. Outlaws. Servants that are your BFFs. Political intrigue. Backstabbing. Scheming. Consuls. Orphaned love interests. Secret hideouts. Crying. Crime. And duplicity. Then maybe you should read this book. Definitely give it a try. Why not? Now, before we get... On to the last portion of the episode, here's the sixth and final letter to the giveaway bonus entry clue. That letter is 
I, as in eratosticlitis. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Or imagination. Now, Kami, based on our rating scale of one to seven, one being literal trash and seven being fangirl mania, what would you rate Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer? Okay. I thought a lot about this rating. <laughs> I, based on our scale, okay, I'd have to give it between a three, which is to be or not to be, or a four, which is page turner. And I have to give it a 3.9. Oh. Simply because I can't say it was a page turner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, Here's the thing, okay? The flow was pretty good. Flow was flow. Flow was flow. Pace wasn't bad. The, like, the, the characters had potential. It's just, it wasn't, I, I, I wasn't, like, soaring to, like, find out what happens in the story. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Like, I, I, I wanted to feel more about it. Like, I, it, would, it was really easy for me to just kind of, like, stop the book and just, like, do something else. Like, when I read a story, I want to just be, like, enthralled by it. I want to just, like, be, like, taken into the story. And I wasn't quite there. But it is it is, it, it is a stable YA story that would be great if you just want, like, a quick, a quick read. So while I, while I wish there was more to it, I still think it was a pretty consistent story. I've been debating this rating for a long time, too. And our rating scale is law to us. <laughs> to us. <laughs> Not to the rest of the world, but to us, our rating scale is law. I must follow it. And so I will be giving this story a 3.8. I just wanted to feel a little bit more passionately about the story. I wanted more intensity. I wanted to be enraptured. I wanted there to be a little bit more anticipation as to what was going to happen next. I will say, though, that plot twist was absolutely killer. The yes. foreshadow really was amazing. Easily my favorite part in the book. Did not see it coming. My notes were in all caps. I was just totally wonderfully bewildered. And I loved that because that was a moment that really just jump-started my heart. And it gave me that intensity and that passion and all of that anticipation that I mentioned earlier. I just wish that that had kept more throughout the story. But... That doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a try. You shouldn't no. always trust us. We lie all the time. No, you should, <laughs> we are, to be fair, we are a lot more nitpicky than most people are with books. Yes, we are very, very critical. It's a surprise we enjoy anything. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I'm surprised we do. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Kiwi and the Bird for our book recommendation episode about Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer. We hope that you'll join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. We hope you liked today's recommendation. Join us for our upcoming book discussion episode where we're going to spoilers and details about Defy the Night. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers.
made sewing videos. Oh, really? Like when people are like making dresses, yeah. but they're like like actual seamstresses, seamstresser. Who else would make a dress? <laughs> but it's like... <laughs> when people make dresses, like seamstresses. But like professional ones. It's really satisfying. You'd probably like Project Runway. It's a sewing show, but a competition. Would I? I don't like Heidi Klum. Or at least I don't think I do. <laughs> Wait, how how did this come to be? She's on there, right? Yeah, she is. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what would you? What would make you not like her? I think I heard about something mean she did one time when I was a kid, but it also could have been Kate Hudson, and I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you though, on Project One Ray, there's this one judge, and the, actually the show's over. I know they started like a new one. No, I'm talking about it. the old. Yeah. And one of the judges was named Michael Kors, and he would roast people so hard and so unbelievably, but somewhat accurately. (laughs) He'd be like, that looks like a walking trash bag that just got hit by a subway. And yeah, it's kind of out there, but it really worked. (laughs) All of a sudden, I look at the piece, and I'm like, you know what? I do see where the subway comes in. (laughs) Love Island. Honestly, guys, listen to Singles Inferno. Not listen. listen. <laughs> Watch. Watch it. I got we got really invested. Guys, guys, we gave each we gave every single person nicknames that are so much more complicated than their own name. But that are also accurate. Yeah, our favorite was a girl named Yewan, which apparently I was looking at this, everyone loves her. Oh, everyone loves her. I mean, how could you not? Like seriously, everyone was like she should have had more. We called her no screen time. Yes. Because she had, like, no screen time. <laughs> she was so awesome, though. She really was. Like, 10 out of 10. No, first he was Jimbro, and then, no, he was, yeah, first he was Jimbro, and then he was dancer guy, and then he was hot guy. Because he won the wrestling match. Yes. Because there is something primal inside of us that saw a male dominate over other males. And that's what made him attractive. Look, because- <laughs> I, I didn't think it would be hot, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, these guys are just wrestling in a sand pit. This is the dumbest thing alive. But when he won, I responded to that. <laughs> <laughs> there, Like, evolution has not Evo- evolved that out of us. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> because I think, honestly, okay, side tangent. I honestly think it's because wearing nice underwear like really boosts your self-esteem okay that's true that's true a good pair of underwear is unlike anything else like if they're comfy and they're cute you're gonna have a good day and you're gonna have a good night oh that sounds sexual <laughs> i just meant like you'll sleep well because you won't be itchy i don't know <laughs> i'm saying a lot of things right now you could have a good night sensually if you do great that's your that, prerogative that's your business <laughs> Prerogative busy sound judgy. You do what you want. Have fun. She's like, forget about it. But she has like a really nasally voice. You kind of have to do it like that. Like Janice, like, forget about oh my God. Kind of like thing. You literally sound like her. Thank you. Oh my goodness. That, that was impressive. And I, also sexy. I kind of just mock Janice from the friends. <laughs> <laughs> and in mocking her, you become her. Baby, lock them doors and turn the lights down low. Why am I Elvis, but 
country. But, like a terrible impersonator. No, I think that got hit by a truck. Good. <laughs> 